Good morning, North Point family. Oh man, it is good to be with you here this morning as we kick off our Christmas series entitled Unexpected. And uh, I believe that over these next four weeks, we're going to really see some unexpected things that God is going to do both in our church and also in our community. We are believing that with the advent of Jesus Christ coming into this world, that the world is changed and, and we want to be those kind of change agents as well in this world. But we're also in this series, we're going to look at some of the unexpected people and the unexpected events that ushered in the greatest person that ever lived, that is the Savior, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. I want to know, has anyone here ever done any work on their family tree? Any work on their family tree? Yeah, quite a few hands going up. Um, has, has anyone ever, you know, done a swab for 23andMe or Ancestry.com? Yeah, no, some of you have done that as well. Listen, there is no way in the world I would ever do something like that. I would never put myself through that. But then my wife decided that it was a great idea, so of course I was one of those people who put, you know, the swab in my mouth, and, uh, you know, we sent it off, our whole family, and it was quite interesting, actually, when the results came back. I realized, man, I, I've got an amazing family line. Like, like in our family tree, you know, we have got kings and we have got princes and, you know, we have got heads of state and heads of industry. And, uh, and then I realized I was reading Melissa's side of, of the family because my side of the family was, was really quite average, almost uh, alarmingly average. And, uh, and then there were also some shady characters on my side of the family tree. And I am just one more of those average people in the Vol family tree. Well, maybe when you look at your family tree, maybe you feel the same way. You feel like, man, that, that family tree is, is pretty average. There's nothing exceptional. There's nothing awesome about that family tree. You know, some people are going to, you know, they're going to lip off about all the amazing people that are in their family tree, you know, and you just kind of roll your eyes and you're like, yeah, whatever, you know, but do you, do you have thieves and shady characters in your family tree? Because that's what I've got, right? And, and I just feel like I'm, I'm just one more of those average people in the family tree. But maybe for some of you, there are there is someone or, or something in your past that you'd rather not bring to light, that you'd rather not bring to the surface. It, it, it doesn't feel good. It, it doesn't appear good. You know, when it comes to the story of the greatest person that ever lived to ever walk the earth, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the King of Kings, it, it really does start out in a very unexpected way in a way that we would have never dreamed or imagined. You see, at the very beginning of the New Testament, if you look in your Bible, there's the Old Testament, and then there's the New Testament, and the New Testament starts off with the book of Matthew. And Matthew is a gospel, and a gospel is simply a, a story of the good news of Jesus, a story of Jesus. And there, at the very beginning of the New Testament book of Matthew, we see that it starts in a really weird and interesting way. It starts with a genealogy. It starts with a, a list of the ancestors of Jesus. Now, I just need you to understand, if I was writing 
The greatest story that has ever been told, I wouldn't have started this way. There is no way. That's not how you start a riveting novel. That's not how you start a riveting story, just by listing off a whole bunch of names that are really difficult to pronounce. That's not how you start it. It's not how you get a compelling story going. However, I would be in the wrong because there are so many subplots, even within those names, that tell a compelling story. It was compelling 2,000 years ago, and it's compelling for us even now, today, in 2023. Now, if we start in Matthew chapter 1, the first 17 verses are made up of names, many of them very difficult to pronounce, many of them we're going to butcher if we try to read them, but they all have a story to tell about the coming of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And though this list includes some very exceptional figures, some very exceptional people like Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, it's got kings like David and Solomon. We also see that it has some very shady characters. It's got some thieves. It's got some liars. And yes, it even has a prostitute. And as we look through this lineage of Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, we see that there are all sorts of different people with different labels and different identities. You know, once you've been labeled with an identity, it can really stick. Have you ever noticed that? If someone puts a label on you, you are this kind of person, it can really stick. Some of you, you received a nickname when you were this big and people are still calling you by that nickname and you're 67 years old. It can really stick when that label is put on you. Have you ever bought an item and uh, as you went to remove the price tag, you realized it's one of those really angry price tags that doesn't want to come off? Have you ever purchased something like that? Yeah, And, and you try and it just rips and then you try again and it rips and you're like, For the love, this is driving me crazy. And there's all sorts of glue residue on that nice new item you bought, and you just can't get it off. Now listen, if you're crazy like me, you've got goo gone at your house all the time. Like I will will not put up with that, but I've been to some of your houses, and I know exactly where the price tags were. You couldn't get it off, and and you tried to wipe it down, and now you've got that glue residue, and everything sticks to it. You've got this beautiful white lamp, but there is a perfect square at the bottom of that lamp that is very dirty, full of dust and all sorts of shrapnel. And friends, years later, you you can't get rid of that residue. And this can happen to us as humans as well. Maybe you've done something wrong in your past and you've been labeled with a name and you forever have that nickname or you forever have that reputation. If you've ever worked in construction or in the oil field, you know that, uh, that the guys there, they can be brutal. Like, man, you do something and they are brutal and they're going to be on you. Like, they are quick. I'll, I'll give them that. They are quick and they're going to give you a name. In fact, when I was working in the oil field, one time early in the morning before I had had a coffee, this one guy came up and he's like, how many animals did Moses have on the ark? And I didn't even realize that he had said Moses and not Noah. And I started to give him an answer and he started laughing and he's like, well done, pastor. Just so you know, Moses didn't have an ark. (laughs) 
And from that point forward, I was Moses. There are other names that have been given to some workers. Some have been called Kit Kat because they always need a break. Then there's Justin because they do just enough not to get fired. Some guys have been called Motion Light because they only work when someone can see them. Or E.T., they just want to go home. These labels, they, they stick. And sometimes it's hard to get rid of the residue of these labels. They, they stick to us. And you know, you may have been given all sorts of negative labels in your life. Maybe at some point you have been called a slacker. Maybe at some point you have been called a loser. Maybe at some point you have been called weak or even poor. Maybe you have been called worthless. Maybe some have said, well, you're nothing more than just a, a welcome mat. Maybe some have said, you know, you're, you're pretty angry. You need to deal with that. Perhaps even a teacher or, or someone has called you stupid. Maybe you have felt ugly or that's what the school bullies had called you. I think more often than not, all of us feel like at some place we're just average. We're nothing more than average. And friends, today, I want to shed these identities that we have been given. I want to shed these labels that we have been given, and I want us to find our new identity. I want us to find the identity that God wants to give us so that we would live out the identity that God has given us. He has given us a new name. And today, in order to do that, I want us to look at one person that we see in the genealogy of Jesus. Her name is Rahab. But before we're introduced to her in the book of Matthew, I want us to look at her life, starting in Joshua chapter 2, verse 1. It says this, Then Joshua secretly sent out two spies from the Israelite camp at the Acacia Grove. He instructed them, Scout out the land on the other side of the Jordan River, especially around Jericho. So the two men set out and came to the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there that night. So here we are, introduced to Rahab. And do you notice her label? The label that she has given, it is Rahab the prostitute. You know, back in her day, there were two kinds of prostitutes. They were the high-end prostitutes. They were the ones that were the temple prostitutes. Now, some of the gods of the Canaanites, the, the gods like Baal and Asherah and Osiris, they would have temple prostitutes. Certainly, the Israelites, they would not have any of this. They didn't want to have anything to do with that. But at these temples, they would have these prostitutes. They were known as the more respectable prostitutes, if you will. And then there were the ones that were working the streets, not so respectable. They were the ones that would be taken down by the cops. And that's the kind of prostitute that Rahab was. She was low in the eyes of society. And you can only imagine what this did to her emotionally. But God works in mysterious ways through unexpected people. Do you believe that today? He works in mysterious ways through unexpected people. And despite her sketchy past, Rahab played a big part in the history of the Israelites taking over the promised land. 
You see, if you'll recall, God had promised the Israelites that he was going to give them a land and they were going to take it. They were going to go into this land and possess this land. And just before they did, just before they, they took that first big city called Jericho, two spies were sent in to Jericho and they stayed at Rahab the prostitute's house. Now, I think the reason they stayed there was because they knew that they could find lodging there. They knew that they could hide out there, and yet word travels around Jericho that the Israelites are wanting to, to come into their nation, come into their land, and to take over. And they hear that these, these men are being put up at Rahab's house. And so the city officials, they go to Rahab, they say, we want these men, and she hides them out hides them out on her roof, and she says that they, have, that they have left. She really puts herself on the line. She could have easily been killed for the lie that she told, for sticking up for these two spies. And I guess it begs the question, why in the world would she do this? Why wouldn't she just give up these two spies? What was going on in her life that she would take that kind of risk? And we read about that in Joshua chapter 2, verse 11. This is what she says. No wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing about such things. For the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. You see, she had heard about the Israelites. She had heard how they had already had favor from God. And, and something is stirring in her own heart. She knows that they are, there is something special about these Israelites, her heart felt something. Whether it was fear or conviction, whatever it is, her heart felt something. She knew that God was real. She might not know much about the Israelites' God, but she knew she had conviction that he was real. And maybe that describes you to a T if you're here in Edmonton or joining us online or in Vagerville. Maybe that, that, that really is what you're all about. You would say, you know what, I believe in God. But all of a sudden, you're going beyond belief. And you're actually going to a place where you would say, man, there is something going on in my heart. Maybe you're, during our worship time, there is something that's going on. And, and you're saying, there is something deeper here. I've never experienced this before. That God is starting to stir within you. And you're starting to recognize God's goodness, his love, and his power. Now friends, this isn't the only time that Rahab the prostitute is mentioned in scripture. I just want us to look at some other instances very quickly. As Joshua is prepping the Israelite army to take over Jericho, we read this in Joshua chapter 6 verse 17. The city and all that is in it are to be devoted to the Lord. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her in her house will be spared because she hid the spies we sent. And then just a little bit later in Joshua chapter 6 verse 22, Joshua said to the two men who had spied out the land, go into the prostitute's house and bring her out and all who belong to her in accordance with your oath to her. And again, in Joshua chapter 6, verse 25, but Joshua spared Rahab, the prostitute, with her family and all who belonged to her because she hid the men Joshua had sent as spies to Jericho. And she lives among the Israelites to this day. Are you seeing a pattern here? 
Are you seeing a pattern? Every time we read about Rahab, it is Rahab the prostitute. Every single time, Rahab the prostitute. Man, that label seems to stick to her like cheap glue. And it continues on, not only in the Old Testament, but also in the New Testament. About 1,470 years later, we read in the book of Hebrews, which is known as the Hall of Faith. It's the Hall of Faith. And this is what it says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 31. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed by those who were disobedient. Even when she is being honored in the hall of faith, friends. Even when, when all of her good deeds are being put on display, still her name is Rahab the prostitute. What does a woman have to do to shed the label? Have you ever wondered that? How would you like to be known by the most shameful thing you've ever done in your life? How would you like to be known for the worst day of your life or the worst thing that you've ever done? And not only even while you lived, but also forever in history. I don't think any of us would want that. If you feel like what has happened to you in the past has stuck to you, I want to assure you of this today. God's power is bigger than your past. God's power is bigger than your past. And God's truth is bigger than any current lie you might believe about yourself. God's truth is bigger than that. You see, your label may be true. Maybe, just maybe, you have been a slacker. Maybe you have been a liar. Maybe you have cheated. But friends, just because that is what you have done in your past, it doesn't mean that that's how you have to live out your future. That might be part of your past. It might even be part of your today. But it does not have to be part of your tomorrow. God wants to bring a change. So let's go back to Matthew. And let's look at the genealogy of Jesus. And we're going to notice what isn't here. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 5 and 6, it says this. Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David. Did you catch it? Did you catch it that here in Matthew, here in Matthew, it doesn't say Rahab the prostitute, it just says Rahab. Almost every other time, her name is mentioned. We have got that moniker. We have got that label, the prostitute. But when her name is in connection with Jesus Christ, when her name is in connection with Jesus, the genealogy of Jesus, that label, it is extinguished. That label is ripped off and she becomes Rahab, the mother of royalty. Isn't that good to know today? I want you to know that Jesus changes everything about us. He wants to change everything about you. He wants to transform everything about you. And the only way that the past will ever let go, and I know for some of you, the past, man, it just clings to you like saran wrap. Man, it just, it just clings to you so hard. But the only way to have that go is when it's confronted with the future in Jesus. When we confront our past with the future, in Jesus. 
You see, when we are connected to Jesus, our future is bigger and greater than our past. The Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, therefore, if anyone, anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, and the new has come. I want you to know, if you are in Christ, the old has gone. The power of your old decisions, it is gone in Jesus' name. When you put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ, Jesus starts to take away the labels of our lives. Jesus starts to peel away the labels. He says, you are not your past. You are not weak or ugly or a slacker. You are not poor or you are not angry. You are not a loser. You are not worthless. You are not stupid. You are not average. You are my child. You're my child. That is what your identity is. You are mine. I want you to know today, God is always bigger than your past. And if you believe anything different, it's just a lie from the enemy, trying to hold you back from what God wants for you in the future. God is always bigger than your past. So here's what happens when you are in Christ. This is what happens when you are in Christ. First of all, you'll be called by a new name. In the Old Testament, there was a man by the name of Jacob, and his name meant swindler or trickster or huckster. And yet God gave him a new name. His name was Israel, which means he wrestled with God or God will prevail. There was another man by the name of Gideon. And Gideon had Midianite armies that were coming against him and his people. And he was so afraid that he was threshing wheat in a wine press. Friends, just so you know, that's crazy town because you would thresh wheat on, a, on an open plain where everyone could see you. So the wind would be able to catch the chaff and blow the chaff away and the seed would be left there. But a wine press is below the ground. There's no wind that comes into a wine press, but there he is beating that up. It is, it is totally crazy that he's doing that. The reason he's doing that is he doesn't want to be seen by his enemies. He is so afraid of his enemies. He is so scared of his enemies that he is threshing wheat in a wine press. But friends, when God comes to him, he calls him not, not a scaredy cat. He says, you are a mighty man of valor. That's what God says about him. Even when he's not living like a mighty man of valor, God gives a new name to him. And God will give you a new name, a new label, a new identity. You're no longer what your past has declared. In Christ, the old has gone and the new has come. And sometimes you are your biggest hindrance. You are your biggest hindrance. You may feel like you're unworthy, but you need to understand this. God will help you to grow into your new label. Man, maybe you feel unworthy and you're like, man, I'm not worthy to be a child of God. I want you to know God is going to help you to grow into that new label. It may take time for you to actually feel comfortable in that new label. It, it may take time for that new label to go from your head to your heart where you actually start to believe that that's who you are. But God wants to do that. He wants you to know that you are a child of God. That's your new label. 
He wants you to know that you are forgiven. He wants you to know that you are loved. He wants you to know that you are more than a conqueror. You don't have to be afraid anymore that not only are you a servant of God, but you can be a leader amongst the people around you because God's power and God's spirit is on you. This is your new identity. Friends, you're a child of God. You are forgiven. You are an overcomer and you are a leader. God wants to use you to influence people. You see, the enemy is always trying to hold us back. The enemy is always trying to hold us back to what we, we could be and should be in Jesus Christ. And you may feel inadequate, but God wants to show you what you can be with his power and with his spirit. In fact, I believe that God is calling many of you to lead, even right now. He's calling you to stand up and actually take a leadership role. Take a leadership role in your family. Take a leadership role amongst your friends and your coworkers to rise up and to do something of value because you matter and other people matter and other people around you are wearing all sorts of labels that they shouldn't wear. And friends, you, you have the power to make a difference. You know, at, at Christmas time, we put all our eggs in one basket and that is for our Christmas Eve services. Our first one is on the 23rd at our Edmonton campus and then we've got four on the 24th. We've got one in Vegreville and of course online we'll be showing it. But friends, each year people come to faith in Jesus Christ. In fact, I want you to know that Christmas is the one time when many Canadians will say, you know what, I'll go to church with you. It's Christmas, I I've heard it's a, a religious holiday yeah, you know what, I'll go with you. Especially if you invite them to your house afterwards. They'll, they'll really go if you've got some really good stuff. But friends, you'll, you'll see on your seats at our Edmonton campus and you'll see that we've got these cards that you can give out. We're gonna be giving these cards out in Vegreville. There's online resources where you can share this on your feed. But friends, I believe that God wants us just to, to think about who are five people that you can invite to Christmas Eve, where it might change their absolute destiny. You know, I, I shared a testimony this last year about Dan who came to our Christmas Eve service. Their, their marriage was on the rocks. And he thought, well, you know what? I, I'm just gonna try out church. And he came here on Christmas Eve and he invited Jesus into his life on Christmas Eve. And then he kept on coming and God started to do a work in his life. And his wife Kelly started to notice that, that something was happening in Dan's life. And she also came to faith in Jesus Christ. And their marriage has been restored. And they are serving in the church. They're members of the church. God has done a good work. Friends, it's worth it. Who might God want to influence through you? Because you are not a nothing. You are not just average. You can shape someone's future by simply saying, will you go to church with me? Our whole staff is going to be inviting at least five people each. We've made a commitment that we're going to share the love of Jesus. And I want these services to be absolutely jam-packed because people, people need to know about Jesus, don't they? 
You see, Rahab was used by God. And if Rahab can be used by God to save those spies and to also be in the lineage of Jesus, how much more might God want to use you to change someone's destiny? God wants to use you. God wants to work through you. So God will give you a new name and then God's gonna give you a new purpose. Rahab lost her label and she was given a new purpose. She became a mother and a wife. And that was probably beyond her wildest dreams. She probably thought she would never be a wife and a mother and yet she ended up marrying an Israelite man. And this woman with this sketchy past, she becomes a great, great, great grandmother of King, Dahab, uh, King David. Rahab the prostitute becomes the mother of royalty. And God can give you a new name, child of God. And with that new name comes a new purpose. You don't have to know what that all entails. You just have to begin to take one step in front of the other. Too often we want to know our full purpose. Our purpose as followers of Jesus is to glorify God, to make his name big. And we just do that one step at a time. And it's amazing how God will use us. It's amazing how God will guide us. And you'll find yourself 5, 10, 15 years from now. And you say, God, what an amazing thing you've done as I've trusted and obeyed in you. Don't let the labels of the past define you. You are not what others said you were. You're not a result of your past. In Christ, God will give you a new name and he'll give you a new purpose. And thirdly, God will give you a new future. And do we ever need to hear that today, don't we? I think many of us, when we think about the future, we're very pessimistic about what the future is going to entail. We see what's going on economically. We see what's going on politically. And, and many of us, men, we are, we are hopeless. And you might say, man, my life isn't going anywhere. I'm never going to be happy. I'm, I'm never going to be married. I'm never going to be out of debt. I'm never going to beat this addiction. We could go on and on and on with all of those things that we think will never happen in our lives. And at some point, the whole nation of Israel felt this way. You see, they had come into the promised land, but at some point, they found themselves in exile to the nation of Babylon. And they were feeling pretty down. It wasn't a good time for them. And it's at this point that God gives them a promise, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. We read that in Jeremiah 29, 11. This didn't come when everything was good in their lives. This came at a very low place. Friends, I want you to know that when you surrender your life completely to Jesus, believing all that he has said and all that he has done, you can free yourself from those labels that have bound you for so long. Rahab, the prostitute became Rahab, the mother of Messiah. She's in that line of Jesus Christ, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So friends, don't let anyone put you in a box and throw a label on it. The only label that you should ever receive is the label that has been given to you by Jesus Christ. You are a child of God. You are forgiven. You are loved. And there is so much that God wants to do in and through you. It's kind of unexpected, isn't it, friends? You know, probably when you came in today, there, there are some of you, maybe you're here for the first time or you're watching online or in Vegreville for the first time. 
And you're like, that guy is crazy who's speaking like, I've never been in a church and they're talking about prostitution the whole time. <laughs> like, what kind of church is this? It's kind of unexpected. What an unexpected way to kick off Christmas, isn't it? But friends, that's how God kicked off Christmas. By saying that even those of you who feel like you've been left along the wayside by the world, you've not been left by Jesus Christ. He still has a plan for you as long as you still have a pulse. He wants to shed the old labels and give you a new hope. He wants to do something unexpected in your life. And so today, wherever you may be, if you've never put your trust in Jesus Christ, if you would say you are not in Christ, you don't know him, because it's when we are in Christ that the old is gone and the new has come. And today I want the new for you. And if you want to be in Christ, if you want to accept the gift of Christmas, which is Jesus Christ, today you can do that by simply saying, Jesus, I need you in my life. I need you to help me shed these labels and become all that I was meant to be in you, to become a child of God. Would you bow your heads with me today? If that's you today, and you would say, Jesus, I want you in my life, would you just raise a hand? Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I thank you for those few that raised a hand. I thank you, Jesus, for your great love. You came into this world because of your great love for us. You lived a sinless life, and your mission was to die on the cross for us, something we could not do for ourselves. Lord, you don't ever want us to die. You want us to have eternal life, eternal life in you. And God, the life that we live, you don't want it to be a life of misery where we wear labels that were never intended for us. And so God, I just pray that those labels of the old would be gone. And Lord, that we would become child and children of you. We pray these things in your name.